Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast that has walked across the first canticle of Dante's masterpiece comedy, that is Inferno. And we have completed that journey, interpretive knot by interpretive knot, classical illusion by classical illusion, and now we're doing something slightly different. We're reading through Inferno, because along the way, in 217 episodes of Interpretive Knots, it was easy to get lost from the fact that this is a story, the story of a man who wakes up in a dark wood and walks across his known universe. We are at Canto 8 of Inferno, and we're going to read through to Canto 10. This is my English language translation. You can find it on my website, markscarbro.com or walkingwithdante.com, although I'd prefer you didn't. I'd prefer you just sat back and listened to the story unfold. No sound effects, no voices, no funny stuff, just the story itself, picking it up at Canto 8 of Inferno and running through the end of Canto 10. Seguitando, che sai prima che noi fossimo al piede altatore, gli occhi nostri nandar suso alla cima per due fiamete chi i vedemo poi. Continuing on. I say that well before we got to the foot of that high tower, our eyes had already been directed toward its top, drawn by two flames that flickered up there, and another that answered from so far away our eyes could barely make it out. Turning to that sea of all that can be known, I said, What's that one saying? And what does that other flame respond? And who are the ones who made it? And Virgil said to me, You can already see over the greasy waters what we are expecting if the miasma from the swamp doesn't hide it from you. No bow ever shot an arrow that flew through the air so fast as the pipsqueak boat I saw coming toward us, skimming along the water under the hand of a single oarsman who hollered, Now I've got you, you foul soul. Flag, yes, flag, yes. You shout for no purpose, said my leader. In this instance, you will have us no longer than the time it takes to cross over this swamp. Like one who learns he's been taken in by a big scheme and is eaten up with resentment, so was Phlegius in his trapped rage. My leader stepped down into the boat, and he made me step in with him, and only when I did did the boat seem to be laden. As soon as my leader and I were on board, the ancient prow caught deeper in the water more than it did when it transported others. As we were crossing the dead muck, a figure covered in mud rose up in front of me and said, Who are you who comes here before your time? And I said to him, If I come, I won't stick around. But who are you who have become so gross? And he replied, You see that I'm one who wails. And I said to him, with wailing and mourning, damned spirit, may you stay here, for I recognize you, even if you're covered in filth. Then he reached with both his hands for the boat, but my wary master shoved him back, saying, Over there with the other dogs. 
Then he put his arms around my neck, kissed my cheek, and said, Indignant soul, blessed is she who was pregnant with you. In the world above, he was puffed with pride. Not one good thing graces his memory. That's why his shade is so furious. How many up there think of themselves as great muckety-mucks, yet will lie like pigs in this muck, leaving behind nothing but horrible contempt? And I said, Master, I'd really like to see this one dipped deep in the broth before we leave this lake. And Virgil said to me, before the shore lets itself be seen, you'll be satisfied. Such a desire should be fulfilled. Right after that, I saw the muddy people rip apart that gentleman so badly that I still praise God and thank him for it. They all cried, get Filippo Argenti. And this crazy Florentine spirit chewed himself with his own teeth. There we left him. I can say no more about him, for my ears were bashed with such a sound of pain that I had to open my eyes wide to see what lay ahead. My good master said, Now, my son, coming upon us is the city called Dis with its weighed-down citizens and great army. And I said, Master, already make out the minarets there set into the ramparts. Those minarets are as vermilion as if they'd been taken out of the fire. And Virgil said to me, The eternal fire from inside makes them glow red, just as you see in this lower region of hell. We finally came to the deep moats, the outer defenses of inconsolable ground. The walls looked to me as if they were made of iron. It was not until we had first made a big circle that we came to a place where the boatman yelled, Get out! This is the entrance. At the gate, I saw more than a thousand of those who had fallen from heaven who belligerently cried out, Who is this one who, without death, nonetheless traverses the kingdom of the dead people? And my wise master made a signal as if to say that he wanted to talk to them privately. Then they all checked their disdain a bit and said, You come by yourself, but send that one away the one who came into this realm so boldly. Let him go back along his foolish path. See if he knows how. For you'll remain here, you who escorted him through this gloomy country. Think, reader, how I got weak in the knees at the sound of those cursed words. I believe I'd never make it back from there. Oh, my dear leader... Who more than seven times has brought me back to safety and saved me from the dangers that have pressed against me? Don't leave me, I said. How I am undone if the further passage is barred for us? Let us quickly go back in our own footprints together. And that Lord who led me there said, Fear not, no one can stop our passage since it's been granted by such a one. But wait here for me. Let your tired soul be comforted and fed with good hope, for I will never leave you in the underworld. So my sweet father went off 
and abandoned me. And I remained in doubt so much that yay and nay fought in my head. I wasn't able to hear what he proposed to them, but he was not long among them there before they tried to knock each other out of the way to get back inside. Our adversaries then closed the gates in my lord's face. He stood outside and turned back to me with faltering steps. His eyes were on the ground, and his brow shaved of all its boldness. He spoke in sighs. Who has confounded me at the houses of sorrow? And he said to me, You, because I'm irritated, don't get dismayed. No matter how they busy themselves inside to prevent our way, there is nothing new in their insubordination for they showed it once before at a less secret gate that is to this day without any defenses. You already saw the dead riding on this side, already down the slope, passing through the circles without an escort, comes one who will open the city for us. The color that cowardice had painted my face when I saw my leader turn back in retreat made him hurry up and get a grip on his own power. He stopped like a man who listens alert since his eyes could not reach very far into the black air and the clotted fog. We still should be able to win this fight, Virgil began, unless... But such a one was promised. I think it takes too long for another to come. I knew exactly that he had covered up what he'd started to say and had spoken in a completely different way. But what he said still filled me with fear because I understood the broken words to mean worse than even he intended. Does anyone from the first circle where the only punishment is the loss of hope ever get this far down into the sad pit? So I made this question, and this is what he replied to me. Only rarely do any of us make the journey as I now go. To be honest, once before I came this way, conjured by remorseless Erichtho, who brings shades back to their bodies, I had not long been denuded from my flesh when she made me enter these walls to snatch a soul from the circle of Judas. There's nowhere lower or blacker or farther from the heaven that wheels over everything. I well know the ways, so you can be certain of that. This swamp that belches foul crap completely garters the sorrowful city. We can't get on without some sort of wrath. He said more, but I can't recall any of it because my eyes had pulled all my awareness up to the high tower with the fiery turret where all at once appeared three hellish furies painted with blood. They had the limbs and shape of women, but iridescent green hydras wrapped around them. They had little snakes and horned serpents for hair that wound across their horrible brows. And Virgil at once knew them as the ladies-in-waiting for the queen of eternal wailing. Watch out, he said to me, the ferocious Arenaes, that's Megara on the left side. The one who cries on the right is Electo, and the one between them is Tisiphone. And then he shut up. They raked their breasts with their fingernails, beat them with their hands, and shrieked so loudly that out of fear... 
I pressed close to the poet. Let Medusa come, they said as they peered down at us. Then we'll turn him to stone. We didn't do right when it came to avenging Theseus's attack. Turn around and keep your eyes closed. If the, if the Gorgon shows herself and you see her, you won't get back to the world above. As my master said this, he took hold of me, spun me around, and not trusting my own hands, put his over my eyes as well. Oh, you who are of healthy intellects, look well at the teaching that hides itself under the veil of these strange verses. Now there crashed across the turbulent waters an awe-inspiring sound that made the shore of the swamp start to tremble. It was like a blast of a wind that's caused by opposing heat currents, such that it strikes a forest without any resistance, splintering the branches, snapping them off, and sweeping them away, pouring forward with a lot of dust, putting the animals and the shepherds to rout. He uncovered my eyes and said, Now look way out there, over the ancient dross, and focus in on the spot where the smoke is the most intense. As frogs before a hostile snake will scatter and flee in every direction until they're all bunched together on the land, so I saw more than a thousand spirits fleeing in front of one who strode along over the swamp of sticks with dry souls. The air was acrid all around him, and with his left hand he fanned his face, worn out, it appeared, with this sort of annoyance. I knew well he'd been sent from heaven, and I turned to my master, who made a sign that I should stay quiet, and bow down before this one. How full of disdain he seemed to me. He came up to the gate, and with a little wand, opened it as if nothing held it in place. O oh, outcast from heaven, O oh, despised people, he began as he stood on the awful threshold. What makes you stick to your insolence? Why do you kick against what is willed? Its purpose can never be turned back, and it can increase your pain at any time. Do you think it helps to butt your skulls against fate? Your Cerberus, as you well remember, got his chin and gullet flayed for stuff like this. Then he went back along the mucky road without ever so much as making a gesture toward us. He looked like a man pressed and gnawed by other cares than the ones caused by the guy in front of him. We hightailed it to the city, fortified by his holy words. We went in without the slightest battle challenge, and I who had a tremendous desire to know the condition of such a fortress, the moment I was inside I cast my gaze about and saw quite a wide plain all around full of grief and awful torments, just as at the Arl, where the Rhone slows down, and at Pola, right up against the Gulf of Quanerno, which encloses Italy and bathes her borders, where the tombs made the terrain uneven, so it was in this place on all sides, but with one very bitter difference. Here the tombs were checkered with fire that heated them up so much no art needs the iron to be hotter. The lids of the tombs were lifted up and the dreadful laments that came from inside were so hideous that they could only have come from wretchedness 
and pain. And I said, Master, who are these people who, encased in these chests, make themselves felt with their suffering sighs? And Virgil said to me, Here are the chief heretics with their tombs from every sect. The tombs are so packed you wouldn't believe it. Like is entombed with like, but the monuments are hot by degrees, some more, some less. He took a turn by the right hand, and we passed between the torments and the high battlements. Now my master went along a hidden path between the walls of the city and the horrors, and I stayed right at his back. O highest virtue who wheels me around these wicked circles, I said, if it pleases you, let's talk and fulfill my desires. The people who lie in these sepulchres, might they be seen? All the lids are off. No one stands guard. And Virgil said to me, all of these tombs will be all closed up when these return from Jehoshaphat with the bodies they left up above. In this part of the cemetery are buried Epicurus and all his followers who made the soul and body die a single death. As to the question that you made to me, your satisfaction is about to happen inside here as well as the desire you keep back from me. And I said, good guide, I wouldn't hide my heart from you except to speak fewer words, for you have previously wanted me to do that very thing. Oh, Tuscan, who is still alive in this city of fire and goes about speaking such courteous words, pray be pleased to stay a moment in this place. Your elocution makes it evident that you are one of those from the noble fathers of that city to which I might have caused too much damage. So suddenly did the sound of this one come out of one of the chests that it startled me and made me pull a little closer to my guide. And Virgil said to me, Turn around. What are you doing? Look at Farinata right there who has pulled himself upright. You can see all of him from the waist up. I'd already set my eyes on his as he rose with his chest and brow pitched up as if he held hell in great contempt. Meanwhile, the sure and animated hand of my guide was nudging me toward his sepulcher, even as he said to me, "'Make sure you count your words.'" When I was at the foot of his tomb, he glanced at me and then, almost with disdain, asked me, Who were your ancestors? I had a great desire to comply and hid nothing from him and told him everything, which caused him to lift his eyebrows a little. And then he said, They were stark enemies to me, my family and my faction, so much so that I had to drive them out twice. They were cast out. I said to him, they came back from every place, both the first time and the other. Your type, on the other hand, has never learned that art. 
Then another shade just beside him rose in the open sepulcher, just visible from his chin up. I believe this one had raised himself to his knees. He looked around me as if he was worried about seeing someone else with me. And when his halfway hopes were dashed, he started crying and said, If it is because of your high genius that you were able to walk through this blind prison, then where is my son? And why is he not with you? I said to him, I don't come under my own steam. The one who is with me over there leads me, maybe to someone your Guido held in disdain. His words and the methodology of his pain had already read me his name. This is the reason I gave him a spot-on reply. Straightening up, all of a sudden, he wailed, What? Did you say held? Is he no longer alive? Does not the sweet sunlight still light up fire in his eyes? When he noticed a certain hesitancy I made before giving him an answer, he fell down flat and was no longer visible. But that other austere one whose request had stopped me in the first place didn't change his facial expression, didn't move his neck, didn't even hitch up his chest. He just continued on from where he'd been in the first place saying, and if they have learned that art of coming back poorly, that torments me more than this bed I'm in. But the face of that lady who reigns here will not fire up 50 times before you will know the moment when this art gets really heavy. And may it be that you return to that sweet world, so tell me. Why do those people and their edicts offer no leniency when it comes to my kin? And I said to him, both the destruction and the great carnage that made the Arbia turn red motivate these sorts of prayers in our temple. Then he sighed, shook his head, and he said to me, I wasn't the only one nor certainly without a reason would I have moved along with the others. But it was I alone, when all the others agreed to make an end of Florence, who stood up openly to make her defense. Okay, I entreated him, and so that your heirs may sometime find rest, please untangle the knot that has confused my ability to judge rightly. If I've heard you right, it seems that you see in advance what time will bring forward Yet the present seems another thing entirely. We see things, he said, like someone who is standing in a bad light. Things that are distant from us, so much does the high guide still illuminate for us. But when they get close or even come into being, our minds are totally empty. Unless someone brings news, we don't have any way of knowing about the state of your human affairs. Therefore, you can comprehend that our understanding will be completely dead at that point when the door of the future is shut tight. Then, feeling as if I should repent for my faults, I said to him, Will you tell the one who fell down beside you that his son is still joined up with the living? And please explain my silence. Tell him that at that moment I was still working under the error that you have just unknotted for me. 
My master was now calling me back. So without delay, I asked the spirit to let me know who was down in there with him. He said, here I lie with more than a thousand. The second Frederick is inside and the cardinal too. I'll be silent about the rest of them. And then he withdrew. I willed my steps over to the ancient poet, rehashing those words that had seemed to be filled with harm for me, at which he started out and then, as we were going along, said to me, Why are you so lost? And I gave him the full satisfaction of what he'd ask. May your memory preserve what you've heard against you, the wise one implored, and listen to what I have to say. Then he raised his finger. When you will finally be in front of the sweet dazzle of the woman whose beautiful eyes see everything, you will fully comprehend the journey of your life. With that, he footed off to the left. We left the wall and hiked toward the middle on a path that led straight down into a valley, the stench of which turned our stomachs even while we were still up there. Presso mosse a man sinistra il piede, lacciamo il muro e gimmo in velo mezzo per un sentiero ca una vale fiede che anfana sui faccia spiacea suo pezzo. There you go, Cantos 8 through 10 of Inferno, Before the Walls of Dis, Through the Walls of Dis, The Heavenly Messenger, Ferenata, Cavalcanti. It's a really packed passage all the way out until they take their turn toward the valley that causes their stomachs to lurch. We're going to continue on in the next episode of this podcast, reading on through Inferno as if it's a story, because that's what it is, a story. Subscribe to this podcast, rate it, like it, do those things that you can do to help me. Thank you, those of you who are listening to this podcast outside of the United States. While the buckle to visitors to this podcast and listeners to this podcast do come from the United States, thank you to those in Canada, the UK, Ireland, Sweden, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Italy, New Zealand, Australia. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I appreciate your being on the journey with me. I appreciate all of you walking with me through this master work. I'll see you next time for more of a read through of Inferno. I'm Mark Scarborough. Up next, down into the pit. Down into the pit.